You're listening to Van Ferndafi Legal News here on Waterberg Stereo. I received a question uh, pertaining to family trust and specifically whether one can exclude beneficiaries from benefiting from the trust. Obviously, it's a case where the relevant person doesn't want that beneficiary or beneficiaries to benefit from the trust any longer. They want to exclude that specific person. And the question is whether that is possible to do from a legal uh, point of view. Now, my opinion, there are two strategies that such a person could follow to exclude such a beneficiary. Firstly, in the case of a discretionary family trust, the person could simply decide, or the trustees could simply decide, to exclude such a beneficiary. Now, let me maybe just explain a bit more about the legal position in respect of trusts and uh, the two types of trusts that we work with here in South Africa. One is a discretionary trust, and the other one is a vesting trust. Discretionary trust in Afrikaans in a bevind trust. That's the onion in Afrikaans. Now, in the case of a bevind trust or a vesting trust, the relevant beneficiaries have vested rights in respect of the trust assets. That means that they are, in terms of the trust deed of the trust, entitled to receive a certain portion of the income or the capital of the trust. If, for example, there are five beneficiaries who hold those vested interests in equal shares, then each one of them would be entitled to 20% of the income and the capital of the trust. Now, in the case of a discretionary trust, however, the um, beneficiaries hold no vested interests. That means that the trustees can, from time to time, uh, decide whether the beneficiaries should benefit and to what extent. Now, based on my experience, and I work with trusts quite regularly, I would say that about 95% of trusts in South Africa are indeed discretionary trusts. Now, I would uh, therefore assume that in this case, we are also dealing with a discretionary trust. In other words, the trustees can decide which beneficiaries most should uh, benefit and to what extent. Now, if the right persons are indeed the trustees of the relevant trust, then those trustees can simply decide to exclude that beneficiary from getting any benefit from the trust as such. Now, that strategy should work as long as those trustees are indeed um, the trustees of the trust. So, to ensure that this will also be a strategy that can be followed successfully in the future, one would also have to make sure that the appropriate trustees replace, or the appropriate persons replace the existing trustees as trustees as soon as they, for example, um, pass away or become or are no longer uh, capable for other reasons to act as trustees of the trust.
Now, um, in this regard, I think it's rather important to keep in mind that the trustee would normally cater for the appointment of trustees, and a trustee would also typically cater for the founder of the trust and sometimes also other trustees having the right to nominate a trustee in their place or trustees in their place um, upon them passing away. So one thing that should certainly be looked at together with this whole issue is the amendment of such a person's will to make sure that it does indeed cater for replacing trustees. So um, if that strategy is followed, that would be one of the options to cater for such a beneficiary not to receive any benefit from the trust. Now, I should add that I'm making these comments based on the assumption that it is, as I mentioned before, a discretionary trust, and furthermore, that there are no specific clauses in the trust deed that prevent us from following this strategy. So uh, certainly any uh, person should obtain proper legal advice and make sure that an attorney, for example, produces the trust deed to make sure that this strategy is not contrary to what is stipulated in the trust deed. So that was the first possible strategy that could be followed. The second possible strategy relates to the amendment of the trust deed of the trust. Now, I don't want to get too technical in this regard, but I do think it's rather important maybe to give you a bit more background of the history of the South African law in respect of trusts. Now, as our listeners who are legal experts would know, our South African common law is based on the Roman Dutch law. Now, our common law is not codified. In other words, it's not uh, put in writing by any uh, act of parliament as such. Furthermore, it's also important to understand that our common law um, has developed and is applicable uh, where there's no specific legislation that caters for the relevant legal uh, question. Now, the source of our common law is um, what we can find in books of uh, Roman Dutch uh, writers, such as, for example, Foot. And then also it's important to understand that these principles were furthermore developed in legal cases where our common law was applied. And in certain cases, also a common law was not only developed, but also changed to an extent. Now, one very important development in our common law is that our trust law in South Africa was to a large extent taken over from the English law because the Roman Dutch law actually did not cater for a trust. Now, to think our trust law 
with the Roman Dutch law. Certain principles related to the law of contract were used in the Roman Dutch law to apply to our trust law. Now, one example of this is a so-called contract concluded for the benefit of a third party. This was called a stipulatio alteri in Roman Dutch law, a bedung tembuwe van de derde in Afrikaans. Now, this is a contract concluded between two or more parties for the benefit of a third party or third parties. Now, the third party or parties would typically not be part of the initial contract. However, as soon as the third party or parties accepts the benefit, such a third party or parties would become part of the contract. In other words, they would be a contractual party to the relevant agreement. Now, a trust is also a contract for the benefit of a third party. In other words, a stipulatio alteri. In other words, it's an agreement concluded between the founder of the trust and the trustees in order to benefit a third party or third parties, namely the relevant beneficiary or beneficiaries of the trust. Now, sorry for this long explanation, but this brings us to the important principle that is relevant to enable me to answer the uh, question that we received. As soon as a beneficiary, in other words, accepts a benefit from a trust, that beneficiary becomes a contractual party to the trust agreement. Now, the consequence of this is that such a beneficiary who has accepted such a benefit will then also have to consent to an amendment of the trust deed. So to cut a long, long story short, uh, any beneficiary who has already received a benefit from a trust would also have to consent to the uh, amendment. So obviously, if the relevant beneficiary that one wants to exclude has already accepted an a benefit or a benefit rather from the trust, then obviously such a beneficiary will not consent to the amendment. He will probably uh, refuse to sign any relevant document. However, if such a beneficiary has not yet received any benefit uh, from the trust, then the principle doesn't apply. And as a general rule, the trust deed can be amended without the consent of such a, a beneficiary. I uh, mentioned probably be amended because in any event, one would also have to have a look at the relevant clauses in the trust deed, specifically the clause dealing with an amendment of the trust deed, which one would normally find at the end of the document. Such a clause would typically uh, cater for requirements that have to be met before a trust deed can be amended. Uh, typically, there would, uh, or the, such a clause would stipulate that the founder of the trust, together with 
the trustees could amend the trust deed as long as the founder is still alive. And after the founder has passed away, then the trustees, together with the trust, with the beneficiaries, can amend um, the trust deed. So it also depends on what the trust deed in this regard stipulates. So I hope that gives our listeners an idea of to what extent and in which cases it would be possible to exclude a certain beneficiary from benefiting from a trust that uh, already exists. So I think um, our advice should make it clear that it's very important to rather get proper advice before you register a trust. The trust deed is not a standard document which you can apply to all situations. The proper nomination of trustees should be uh, dealt with, also the replacing of trustees as such, and of course the nomination of beneficiaries of the trust should be clearly and appropriately stipulated in the trust deed and also their disqualification. For example, you could stipulate that a certain beneficiary will no longer qualify as a beneficiary after a divorce to cater for that possible um, scenario. And then finally, it is also very important to make sure that the relevant amendment clause in the trust deed is uh, appropriately drafted depending on the wishes of the founder of the trust. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.